Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. Welcome everybody to VPC Live. Uh, my name is Jackie Vanderveld and I'm very pleased to be hosting this session with Dr. Bay Bay from Monash University. Tonight's uh, session is on healthy sleep for teens, what parents need to know. Um, if you have a question, please use the uh, the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. Uh, that way you can ask your question anonymously and we will, we will attempt to get to all of those questions during the session. If we don't answer your question tonight, then we will um, endeavour to get back to you um, through our social media and uh, and via email. If that's if it's a particularly personal question, we will do it that way to uh, to get back to you. To our wonderful speaker this evening, welcome, Dr. Bay Bay. Bay is a senior research fellow at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. She is a clinical psychologist and research lead at Monash University Health Sleep Clinic. She holds a Doctor of Psychology, Clinical Psychology, and a PhD from the University of Melbourne. Her research and clinical work focus on the individual differences in sleep-wake behaviours and the relationship between sleep and mental health and the psychological interventions that can be engaged with to promote sleep. So welcome, Bay. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you so much for the intro, and I feel really privileged to be here to talk to you about sleep and really appreciate BPC for really putting sleep on the roadmap um, for well-being. So without further ado, I'm just going to get started. Now, healthy sleep is really important for mood, for better physical health and for better thinking. I'm going to very quickly blast through this because everybody knows sleep is really important. For the rest of this talk, I'm actually going to focus on what really, happen, what really happens to teenagers' sleep and what parents can do and also how and also when to get professional help. Hopefully, we'll ha have some time at the end for questions and discussions. What's really happening to teenagers' sleep? And I'm going to start with some of the patterns that you as parents can see. Starting from around of age 13, sometimes a little bit earlier, sometimes a little bit later, and in some teams, it's more noticeable than others. You might notice that your team gets gradually a little bit more alert at night, and they might not be as sleepy at their usual bedtime. And some teenagers might also have some difficulty getting to sleep. And you might notice that it's kind of increasingly hard to get them up for school in the morning. And some of them might get pretty sleepy during school days. And so they sleep in much later on weekends and school holidays and all these things sound familiar, right? Now, research actually shows that these changes are actually quite widespread. I have to apologize, I've got some complicated figure here, but just bear with me. A few years ago, we did a study. We sampled 146 uh, teenagers in year 10 to year 12. So what we did was we asked these kids to wear a little watch-like device on their hand which measures their sleep patterns over four weeks. So that's 28 days continuously every single day. And these four weeks went from the last week of a school term across the two weeks of the vacation period and the first week of the school. Now, it looks complicated here. Now, I just really want you to see how big of a difference their sleeping patterns are. These solid dots 
are the school days, like when they have to get up for school. And these open circles are on holidays all weekend here. On the first panel here, what we are seeing is that their sleep timing. So what we're seeing here is that um, during school time, compared to the holidays and weekends, teenagers are actually going to bed about one, one, one hour, 20 minutes earlier. They also got up to about two and a half minutes earlier. So what that means is that it resulted in about 15 minutes, 55 minutes shorter amount of time they spend in bed when school is happening compared to when they don't have to go to school. And you can see this drastic change from school days into two weeks holiday, back then, here is the first school week again, and then this is the weekend that they head into. Now, during the school days, they had about seven hours of total sleep time, and that's not a great amount. And this is no wonder that we saw that about 54 to 87% of teenagers actually self-report that they're needing more sleep. So what we're seeing there is just one school to vacation transition. And this actually happens four times a year. And when you think about school weekdays and weekends, there is a transition. And then going from school terms into holidays again, that's another transition. So teenagers really go through this cyclic patterns of sleep restriction and bit of a recovery and then sleep restriction again. So they go through these cycles, as we saw here, um, these up and down and up and down. This is what happens with our sleep. So what's really happening? These are the patterns you can see. Now what's really happening behind all these changes? Now to understand what exactly is happening, we need to understand the building blocks of sleep. And the two I'm gonna talk about first is the body clock or the circadian rhythm and the sleep drive. Now let's focus on the body clock first. You might have all heard about body clock and circadian rhythm. It's a kind of a biological 24 hour timer that sits in our brain and it sends out these alerting signals of strong and weak, like high and low alerting signals to our body. In the morning, Gradually, as we're waking up, we're getting stronger and stronger alerting signal, which kind of get, get us out of bed, make us feel alert during the day. And as the sun goes down and we start to have, feel a little bit kind of tired and more sleepy, that's when the body clock is sending weaker alerting signals. What the body clock does is that it really tries to keep our sleep happen at the right time. And you can really feel it when you travel into a different time zone and say, if you travel to North America and you're probably gonna be very sleepy um, in the afternoon there. What happens um, during adolescence is a very quick and very massive delay in the body clock. Now, this is probably the biggest ever change you will ever see across the whole lifespan. Here is a graph. And on the bottom um, axis is the age. So um, going right-hand side, getting older. And the y-axis is early and going up is late. Now, what you can see here is that as kids are going into the early and then towards throughout the late adolescence period, they go through this really quick and massive delay in their body clock. And it kind of peaks around, and this is same similar patterns for boys and girls, and, and it kind of peaks around early 20s. 
from that point on, it kind of takes a very gradual, slow change towards more mourning as we get older across the lifespan. But the biggest change happened during adolescence. So this is why you're actually seeing that your teenager might actually gradually become a bit of a night owl as time goes by. Moving on to sleep drive. Now, sleep drive, we kind of understand this as you can think of sleep drive as something like a hunger for sleep. So it kind of starts to go up as we spend more time and more hours awake. So for example, in the morning, you have just had a good night's sleep and you kind of filled up with sleep. And so your sleep drive is pretty low because you're not quite hungry for sleep. You're pretty full of sleep. Now, as you spend more time awake across the day, your sleep drive actually increases. So say at, at the end of the day, um, you have higher sleep drive. A good amount of sleep drive is really helpful to help us get into sleep and stay asleep. And when the high sleep drive, and remember the um, circadian, the body clock, uh, sends a weaker alerting signal when those two things kind of align together, that's kind of really sweet spot for good sleep at night. And that often happens at night. So when these two things align up, you have good sleep. The way we estimate the amount of sleep drive is based, uh, often based on the amount of deep sleep that we, we see. Uh, sometimes when we hook electrodes onto people's brain, we can see what's happening. Um, that's the amount of deep sleep we're seeing. And what deep sleep requires is that it requires a lot of neurons to fire together in a synchronized way. Now, as you can see here, when people are awake, the neurons are firing kind of in random different patterns. Uh, they're not quite synchronized. You see these um, high frequency and weekly kind of patterns. But as we get into more deeper sleep, our uh, different neurons are start to synchronize in the way that they, they become active together, you see these um, bigger wave. And this is the amount of this is kind of indication of kind of sleep drive. And remember sleep drive help us get to sleep quicker and uh, stay asleep longer. What happens during adolescence, you probably have heard of this. So from birth to about seven something years old, um, children have this kind of growth spur in the amount of synaptic or neuronal connection in their brain. They really start to grow these connections. So these, you have these growth here. So you can see at birth and this synaptic density, you can see a lot more connection up here. Now, during the adolescence, um, these, a lot of the excess um, connections start to get pruned. We call it a kind of synaptic pruning. And the purpose of this is actually really helpful because this can help have, having a more kind of refined and efficient adult brain. But what this also means is that you have less neurons to synchronize that kind of firing together at the same time. And what this when this happens, you actually have lower sleep drive compared to when your teenager was much younger. So a lower sleep drive also means they're a little less sleepy at their usual time. Now, combined of these changes, these are probably some of the biggest changes that we see in the brain. And of course, to the sleep-wake system across lifespan. And the, probably the only other biggest changes that we're seeing is probably the sleep changes. Sometimes when new parents are going through having a baby and um, looking after newborn as well. Now, so you, in the past, you might notice that the younger teen your younger kids or younger teens, they were sleepy at bedtime, they get up feeling pretty refreshed um, and they go to bed, they are ready to go to sleep and everything seemed to well fit into place. Now, as they get older, as a teenager, they really start to burn the candles 
from both ends. So as we mentioned before, they become more alert at night because they get sleepy later um, because they have a later body clock and lower sleep drive. And also school starts so early and that kind of chopped off their morning sleep, which they really would like to get. So what they do is that they will sleep in later and longer on weekends and on holidays. But wait, there's actually more. So the two things that we just talked about, the body clock, the sleep drive, are more on the kind of biological level. Now, there's also an active mind. We know that when we have a lot more going on uh, in our lives, there are major changes as, as teenagers are getting older. And it kind of an active mind kind of um, keeps the body on guard and it makes our body more tense um, and there's more thoughts going on when they're trying to sleep and there's worries about various different things. And of course, the electronic devices also don't help. So the combination of these really kind of make adolescents kind of a perfect storm for sleep challenges. And these, the underlying causes are both biological as well as psychosocial. And so this is not just the teenagers are lazy. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, they just don't want to get up. No, that's, that's not the story. This, the, the, some main reason they can't get up is actually there's some uh, real underlying biological changes that are really happening as their brain matures and, and develop. Okay, as a parent, um, do I need to worry about this? Now, not getting enough sleep on school days is actually quite common, it's quite a widespread problem, but not teenagers are actually affected. So the common recommendation is that teenagers need eight to, nine, uh, eight to 10 hours of sleep, but all teenagers are actually different. So the, the recommendation is a kind of more blanket term for the overall duration, but your team might be different from other teams. So the best way for you to see whether your child is getting um, enough sleep is to actually observe their behaviors and how they feel. Now, some of the most important uh, reasons why we sleep is so we can function well during the day. So watching how they feel and function during the day is a really good um, way to tell whether or not they're getting enough sleep. So if they're falling asleep, dozing off all the time, it's pretty likely they're not getting enough sleep. They probably need a bit more sleep. Even if they're sleeping 10 hours, if they're still dozing off, maybe they actually need more than 10. And also observe how their sleep pattern change over school versus non-school days. Um, when teenagers are sleep deprived, they often tend to recharge, the, recharge their sleep when they can. And when they're sleeping, um, when their body clock prefers later sleep timing, they typically would like to sleep in later during non-school days. So if you're seeing big differences between school versus non-school days, um, by big differences, I mean probably more than two hours of difference in terms of their get-up time, you might want to see whether or not they're getting enough sleep at the right time on school days. Now, parents can actually do quite a bit, even though some of the biological changes happen are very natural and normal, there are actually some things that parents can do at home that can help mitigate some of these impacts. One set of strategy is targeting on our body clock. Now, before I talk about these strategies, it's really important to understand that how the body clock works basically and what tunes the clock. Now, 
the biggest thing, the most important factor that kind of tunes our body clock is actually the, the light and dark cycle that impose on our um, kind of 24 hour day. Bright light upon awakening, it really provides a kind of anchor to the clock. It kind of, the moment the first ray of sunshine that goes into your eyes as you crack your eyes open in the morning, that's the light that anchor and tune the clock. Now, depending on the intensity as well as the amount of light and the duration of the light you're getting, that, that light could potentially move your body clock a little bit earlier or prevent your body clock from delaying. Going to the dim light side on the evening, so darkness and the lack of bright light really helps promote the kind of onset of um, the, the release of the melatonin. Now, Melatonin, probably many people have heard of it, is a hormone that's produced in our brain. Now, I call this hormone a kind of vampire hormone. And it, it, it kind of comes out when it's dark. So melatonin makes us sleepy. So when you go to cinema or when it's dark outside you, and your, your brain automatically starts to produce this, the, this melatonin and then you kind of start to make us sleepy. That's why we sometimes get sleepy in the cinema. When you make the evening environment dim, you actually help the melatonin to come out at the, at the right time so that they can start promoting kind of that sleepiness wave that can really help um, prevent the body clock from further delaying. And as you sleep through the night, you might have melatonin uh, in your body throughout the night. And then in the morning when you wake up, that ray of sunshine, the bright light, remember melatonin is like a um, vampire hormone. So when melatonin meets bright light, it vanishes. So, so the vanishing of melatonin really sets the clock in the morning. So bright light in the morning and dim light in the night, at night. So because of that, what we're asking parents to do is that you really want to make sure that your teenager's um, bedroom is as bright as you possibly can make it uh, in the morning. And you want this to be the moment they kind of wake up. Um, and especially if they are waking up raised kind of not too, not too late in the afternoon. And if they're sleeping in on weekends and on holidays, it will be very helpful. Even if they get up, say, midday, it will be still very, very helpful for them to get very bright light as soon as they wake up. Because when they wake up later on weekends, that's gonna further delay their body clock. So you really need to get that light in as quickly as possible to push their body clock back as much as you possibly can. So what you don't want to do in the morning is to have the blinds drawn and curtains shut. So bright light in the morning and also during the day. Now also uh, our body clock also takes the time cues from meal times. So consistent, consistent meal times can be super helpful as well. At night, you actually want to do the opposite. The way you want to decide when to have light and when to not to have light, just look out the outside. Look out how the sun goes up and sun goes down. When the sun is down and go down, it's probably a good time to gradually allow your environment to become darker. So um, especially the two hours before your teen's typical bedtime, those are kind of golden hours for making your whole home environment dim and dark. By dark, what I mean is, well, not quite like 
fluorescent light, um, the, the nice amount of light could be something like a salt lamp um, that's dim and orange and basically make a kind of relaxing and dark environment around the house as you get into the evening and night. So you want to do more of that. Now, there's also electronic devices and screens. And we actually want to kind of have a bit of a balanced view about um, the electronic device and, and, and screen. You, I might have heard about all these things emit blue light. Yes, blue light uh, um, are quite, these are the light um, uh, where our brain is quite sensitive to in terms of shifting our body clock a little bit later and make us alert at night. But we also want to consider the amount of light that that's happening in our home environment. So if you have a big fluorescent light in the living room and you're watching the screen that's, and shutting down the screen is probably not gonna make much difference. Coming, um, also thinking about the screens, it's not just that the screen is on, it's also what your, what your teen is doing on the screen. You know, some of the activities might be quite exciting and captivating and make them excited. So the excitement can also make sleep a little harder as well. So also take into consideration the what aspect of the screens as well. Moving on to the next set of strategies. Now working with sleep drive and sleepiness. Now we talked about sleep drive a little bit earlier. And one thing we want to um, know is that sleep drive, we want to have good amount of sleep drive so we can get to sleep quicker at night and sleep through better. And the way we feel sleep drive is actually sleepiness. And um, sometimes we might feel like, oh, I feel sleepy. Oh no, I didn't sleep well the night before. It's actually pretty good because when you're feeling sleepy, that's a good sign that when next time when you go to bed, you're actually likely to get to sleep quicker. Now, so we want to build up our sleep drive for the night during the day and how to do this. Remember, sleep drive is actually depending on how long it's been since we last slept, right? One of the best thing you can do for a good amount of sleep drive is actually get up around the same time each day. Now, when you get up, get up around the same time each day, you actually start to accumulate similar amount of sleep drive by the time you hit your usual bedtime. So that can really help making the amount of sleep drive consistent from day to day. And for teenagers, um, you, in terms of their get up time, because they're so sleep restricted during the school days, you actually really want to allow some concessions for their weekends. So in general, really depend on how much they uh, would like to sleep in and how difficult it is for them to get out of bed on weekends, about one to two hours, but try not to have more than that, about one to two hours later on weekends is okay because that's one of the few opportunities they have to recharge the sleep on weekends. And what happens to sleep drive is that it takes a huge dive as soon as you go to sleep. So this is one of the reasons why you actually want to avoid late afternoon or evening naps because it's like snacking along. And remember sleep drive is like hunger for sleep. If you snack along the way and take naps, you're gonna eat away your sleep, nap, uh, sleep drive at night. So try not to um, nap during late afternoon and evening. And this can happen in some teenagers when they come back from school, they have a big meal and they get sleepy after that. So very light snack, healthy snack and try not to nap in the afternoon. And of course, avoid some, avoiding some stimulants and things like caffeine can be helpful. 
Okay, now at night. So the way sleepiness works is that it kind of comes and goes like waves. So what I try to teach my clients to do is actually really learn to surf these waves of sleepiness because as they come in wave, you actually want to ride them. So the timing as, as to when you choose to go to bed is really the key as how quickly you can fall asleep. And you actually want, as the wave comes, or as the sleepiness wave comes, you really want to catch the wave and go to bed and not wait for, delay for longer. So by the time you take a shower, you feed your cat and, and get ready for tomorrow, the wave is probably gone. So you want to get ready for all of those things, get your team to get ready. And when the wave comes, they can go straight to bed and not delay too much. Now, teenagers are still developing their awareness of their body and their own way of regulating their um, sleep-wake pattern. So it will be really helpful to help them understand what it means to be sleepy. Like what are the signs? Is it yawning? Mm -hmm. Is it low in eyelid? What, what is it? Is it kind of just uh, nodding off a little bit? Uh, what are the signs? So that when they, they, they know that when these signs come, they should go to bed without too much delay. The next thing is um, to pair sleep to a restful bed and bedroom environment. Now, our body is actually very clever. So when for good sleepers, so they go to bed, they fall asleep, they go to bed and go, they fall asleep. So bed and sleep and bedroom and sleep is two things that pair up together automatically. It just happens automatically. But for people who have trouble sleeping, these two things are often sep get separated. So they go to bed, they toss and turn, they feel kind of struggle, they, they feel um, frustrated. And so bed and awake, and bed and toss and turn, get up, look at phone, look at uh, computer and, um, and try to sleep again. So bed and not sleeping, bed and not sleeping are paired out together. So as some often have clients would tell me that, oh, when I go to bed, automatically wake up because our body learned to be awake in that environment. So it will be very helpful to actually um, help your teenager's body learn bed and bedroom is the place to sleep and rest. So what does it mean to have a restful bedroom? So the bedroom needs to be quiet and dark at night. Remember, we want the melatonin to be promoted. We want it to be dark and of course quiet. Um, and we actually don't want too much of the active, active gears in the bedroom. Things like, well, exercise machines, TVs or computers, um, laptops, and you actually want to move these activities and things out of a bedroom so that only sleep and rest related things happen in the bedroom. So you can kind of reassociate re sleep with bed, sleep and bed to make those two things link together. And you want your teenagers to go to bed when they're feeling that wave of sleepiness. So go to bed when they're sleepy, but if they're agitated, feeling really worked up one day, um, and they're uh, it's, they're clearly wide awake, it's probably a very unhelpful time to try to sleep. So if that's happening, um, just try to help them unwind and catch the next wave that comes. Okay, we talked about quiet mind, um, and we talked about how active mind can be something that really overrides a lot of um, bi biology. And your body can be very sleepy and ready to go to bed. If you have an active mind, something on your mind is actually very difficult to sleep. It kind of overrides all of that. 
Now, think about sleep. Is sleep is really a restful thing, and not much happens in sleep. We don't think too much. Our bodies relax. It's really the opposite of active. So, what we really want to do is that as the evening comes, we really want to bring down both physical as well as the mental arousals. By that, what I mean is so reduced amount of tension. People or your team might be holding in the muscle tensions in their body and slow down activities, slow down breathing and help them learn and practice relax, relaxing their body. So often when the body is relaxed, the mind usually will follow not long after that. And of course, uh, reducing the amount of thought process that might be happening and to have less thoughts and have slower thoughts. Of course, doing, doing homework all the way up to bedtime means your, your mental arousal is way up here. It would just take much longer to, for, all, for all that process to happen to bring it all the way down to the level when you want sleep to happen. So that would just take longer for that to drop down. You want to make the day really kind of active um, and problem solve, work through feelings. And, but for the night, those are times for downtime. And especially the two hours before bed uh, is really kind of golden hours for winding down. So you need some time, our body and our mind need some time to go come down from that kind of arousal. And you don't actually want to uh, use that kind of nighttime for problem solving or for worrying. You actually want to make that time a, a little bit calming and, um, and less of these active things happening. Now, I talked a lot about what. Now, it's how that can be quite challenging. We know that simply just telling our teenagers sleep is important they don't really translate into sustainable behavior, behavioral changes. And I think it, as a household, it will be very house, helpful to actually make, not just this is a you, you thing, instead of making it, this is something you need to do, but make it something that the household will do it together. And we know that um, parental modeling, that what you do is a very, very powerful tool, and especially in terms of daily habits and what you do around your sleep and wake patterns. Now, some of the easier things you can start with would be with things that in the environment that you can already change. Changing the lights into more dimmable lights in the house, for example, and making sure the curtains are open at night so that the light can come in straight away in the morning and turn on the night shift mode on the electronic screen, for example, and move all those exercise and study gears out of the bedroom and also charging stations, of course, if, if you have a phone charging next to your bed all the time, it's very easy to look at it as you go to bed and wake up in the middle of the night. And also access to caffeinated drinks and make meal times consistent. All these things are relatively easy and practical that you can start to incorporate into the everyday household routine. Now, another thing that can be really helpful to start doing would be having a household-wide kind of um, wind down about one to two hours before the bedtime. So everybody um, ready to go to sleep, like start to wind down, not too many activities happening, have the dim, like setting the lights dim in the household about a couple of hours before the typical household bedtime can be super helpful because the dimming of the light is a signal that now we're all winding down. And and it will be very helpful to help your teen notice 
um, the benefit of sleep. So it's not just telling them these are helpful, but actually help them notice. So when they get enough sleep, um, ask them, well, how are you feeling? You, you seem uh, in better in better spirits these days, or do they feel like they have better mood, or do they feel that they can connect and relate to their friends better? And when it comes to setting um, parental set bedtime, and it's actually quite important for younger teenagers to set bedtime because we know that when parents set bedtime, teenagers are more likely to get enough sleep, um, especially during school days. And this is one of the most powerful things you can do, especially for young teenagers. Now, the goal is to gradually work towards helping your team to plan and regulate their own sleep times um, over time so they can kind of gradually transition into this more autonomy in, and in terms of regulating their own sleep. And so this will actually require that they understand what it feels like to be sleepy. And so uh, noticing their own sleepiness sign and planning what time I need to get up uh, tomorrow. And therefore, um, these are the hours that I actually need to make sure that I, I go to bed by this time and start winding down a little bit earlier. So these planning will be very helpful for um, parents to gradually guide uh, the team to do over time. Some, some things are harder than others. And for things that are a little harder to try out, things like try not to sleep in too long on weekends, you can try a bit of kind of behavioral experiments. Like um, it's, it, so you don't have to do this for the rest of your life, but maybe we can try this, see this as an experiment. Let's be curious, try it for a week or a few days and see how you feel and help them notice the difference in terms of how they feel try seven, seven days a week too hard, let's start with four. Um, a few days is better than none. So treat this as an experiment and actually work with your team through this can be very helpful. Now, I want to very quickly mention about sleep disorders. Now, um, sometimes sleep problems can become so severe that they affect teenagers' functioning and well-being. And a couple of more common sleep disorders is insomnia and sleep um, delayed sleep phase disorder. So insomnia is when um, people can have con persistent difficulty um, getting to sleep or staying asleep. So wake up, can't get back to sleep, waking up too early in the morning. And for teenagers, this can ha also happen on week, um, both weekdays and weekends. And they might feel worried and feel distressed about not sleeping or start to feel quite tired during the day. And so these are some of the warning signs. And for delayed sleep phase disorder, um, teenagers, um, well, they are quite, they could potentially be quite late um, in term, when during the during school days, but it can become a real problem when their sleep and wake timing are so much later than uh, where they want to be, and they have real struggle to make it um, to the to school. So some of the signs are like say we late for schools a lot of the times, poor grades at school because of being sleepy and falling asleep during the day often and worried about sleep and taking very long naps after school. So try to get professional help. Uh, there are non-pharmacological uh, treatments that are very effective to realign the body clock as well as treating insomnia. So speak to your GP and get a referral to a sleep disorders clinic can be really helpful. Here are some apps and resources. Um, these are some of the apps that are great for kind of mind body exercises, relaxation for active mind. 
And Sleep Health Foundation has a lots of really helpful fact sheets, um, including ones for teenagers. And um, the Australasian Sleep Association website has a directory for sleep services if you ever need to look for a sleep clinic. And we're currently running a study on adolescents' sleep, body clock, and their um, academic performance. So we're in the last phase of recruitment. Um, so year seven students could still sign up these days if anybody is interested. So with that, I'm happy to take questions um, and have a bit of a dis discussion. And just a bit of reminder, um, because this is recorded and it's all going public, just make sure that when you ask questions, be really general and please keep personal information private. Thank you. Hey, wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, what, a, what an amazing presentation. Uh, this is uh, such an important area. And, and I think, you know, over last, sleep has always been an issue and it's something that parents have been talking to us for a long time about. Uh, and I think last year um, over, you know, lockdown, you know, the lockdown issue, the long periods of lockdown that we had, and I'm conscious that we've, we're have we only a few hours off going into another one <laughs> in Victoria. But uh, parents really did comment to us in a lot of the, a lot of the uh, feedback that we were getting through surveys that sleep was just one of those issues that they were really noticing was disturbed and quite um, erratic for their for their children. And uh, so they were very, very concerned and wanting to have some uh, some tips and and uh, and and you know suggestions about what they could do there. So look, we do have some questions, and I'm conscious that we we probably don't have a lot of time. But you actually covered a lot of information, and you actually covered your answer, the answers to many of the questions that were being asked. But one question that's come through is, how do I know um, that my child is struggling mentally? Um, are there key are there keys or are there clues in their sleep patterns as a result? Mm, really, really good question. In teenagers, as well as in um, adults, sleep problems and mental health problems can come hand in hand. And sometimes sleep, like changes in sleep patterns can be a kind of bit of a precursor to um, symptoms of depression or anxiety. So um, I'm so glad that you're looking out for changes in sleep. Now, some of the things to look out for having difficulty getting to sleep. So uh, toss and turn, taking a long time to get to sleep is a quite a common thing that could happen, especially in young people when they're struggling mentally. Another sign to look out for is waking up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. So extended nighttime awakenings. Another one to look out for is waking up too early. If you, this happens less common in young people, but it can happen. And this can happen more often in cases where um, people might, more, um, might have symptoms of depression. Also, it's not just during the day, but also uh, so not just at night, but also at, during the day. So also look out for signs of fatigue. Um, and, and, and changes, because you will know, uh, you will know your, your child, you will know what their sleeping patterns and behavioral patterns might look like. And if there are changes that you find unusual, that's definitely something to look, look out for. So they might be able to do, say, this, this and that usually, but do, they don't seem to have the energy for doing things that you normally know that they will be able to do. So these are some of the, uh, maybe some of the kind of top signs I can think of. And of course, if you're concerned, talk to them. 
just realised I'd mute myself. So thank you. <laughs> um, babe, we've got a question here or, or a request. Are you able to speak about nightmares or night terrors briefly, please? Yeah, so um, this can happen and it's more common in younger um, children and younger adolescents. And in general, uh, if they happen quite a quite often and if affect their um, how they feel and what they do during the day, I definitely recommend seeing someone for it. Um, in general, if that happens only occasionally, really normalizing it can be quite helpful. Just uh, normalizing this is what like some, sometimes dream can be quite scary, but it's it doesn't mean anything bad is going to happen. So uh, if that just only occasional is not affecting um, their everyday, like how they feel, it's, it's okay. But definitely, if you're concerned, get some help. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. We're, we're right bang on time. That was such a wonderful session. Um, and I know that uh, we had lots of questions that had come in and you had just beautifully and naturally answered all of those questions. So good job. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Can I thank, uh, join me in thanking uh, Dr. Bay Bay for her presentation tonight. Um, wonderful practical solutions, but also really good information to help us understand what's going on with, with sleep and uh, why and how it, it's a, what a difference it makes for our young people. Really, really good information. So can I um, also encourage you to join us? Um, Dr. Bay Bay is back again on the 10th of June um, to talk to us about some more practical tips. And we also have another event um, in July. So all of those details are up on our website. Please make sure that you register ahead of time. Share this information. You know, this is great information for family and friends. So please do share that with them. And um, we look forward to having you having you again with us um, in a couple of weeks. Babe. So thanks so much, everyone. Have a lovely evening. Thank you for organising this. Um, and thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a good evening. Bye now. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sydney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. Until next time, thank you for listening.